I'm Bruce Harmon, editor of iTech, a bi-monthly magazine supplement to transport topics that covers information technology and transportation. I'm joined today by Neil App, editorial director of Transport Topics, and by Seth Clevenger, TT's technology reporter. Today we will also hear from Stephen Kepler, executive director of the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, the National Umbrella Organization of Enforcement Agencies. These are the guys who are in the front line of driver hours of service monitoring and enforcement. They are the people interacting daily with your drivers and inspecting their service logs. CVSA has been working closely with the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration in designing the electronic logging rule. Steve was interviewed yesterday and will answer some of the most significant questions that have come up in the development of the rule. Neil, uh, would you like to say a few words? Thank you, Bruce. Uh, I want to thank our returning viewers and welcome what we expect may be many first-timers. Additionally, I want to welcome Bruce and Seth to the Live on Web set for the first time. The trucking technology market is transforming rapidly, and we are going to start our discussion today with electronic logs. We expect over the course of our conversation to touch on many larger technology issues as well. We invite you to get involved in the conversation. You can share your questions and comments with us by email at share at ttnews.com or by commenting within this article page. Uh, before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors, GPS Insight and PeopleNet. You can find more information about these unique technology providers at the bottom of this page. Good. Thank you, Neil. Um, electronic logging has been around for some time, and the FMCSA is in the final stages of publishing its rule, making e-logs mandatory for most over-the-road commercial vehicle drivers. As is the case with many federal, federal regulations that affect trucking, FMCSA has pushed back its targeted publication date for the electronic logging rule several times. Seth, how about giving us a quick once-over on what electronic logging is and whether the rule will ever get published. Sure, Bruce. Uh, well, electronic logging simply refers to using onboard technology to automatically record drivers' hours of service as opposed to having to manually fill out paper logs. And the reason FMCSA is, uh, is looking to do this is they believe it will uh, improve uh, hours of service compliance and improve safety. Now, the latest from FMCSA that we're hearing uh, on the timeline for this is uh, November is now the target date for them to publish the final rule. Uh, once that final rule hits, there's going to be a two-year implementation stage. Uh, carriers will have uh, two years from that point to uh, be in compliance to adopt the technology. Uh, so based on what we're looking at now, that would be late 2017. Um, and uh, we, we haven't seen the final rule yet, so we don't know the exact technical specifications, uh, but we do know that the ELD will need to communicate with the vehicle's uh, engine. Uh, and there are many ways that uh, uh, technology vendors are going about this today with the products they have in the market. Uh, we have the traditional uh, providers of onboard uh, computers with uh, fixed mount displays. Uh, and we see an increasing number of providers that are also using mobile devices, uh, smartphones and tablets, that communicate with the, the vehicle's engine. Uh, so these will be among the options that uh, companies will have moving forward as they look to comply with this rule. Um, and the, the general perception right now across the industry, and especially in the technology space, is that this is really no longer a question of if, but a question of when. Yeah, thank you, Seth. I think that's a good point. It does feel like we're in the home stretch here. Uh, this has uh, gone on for a while. There have been some legal challenges 
to the role regarding harassment, uh, something we may get back into uh, shortly. Uh, but it is coming. Uh, Seth said the latest timeline FMCSA mentioned is November. Uh, trucking technology has advanced, both the in-cab communications, uh, also uh, under the hood, the, the, the possibilities of the collection of the data uh, and the efficiency that it can offer, uh, really a main reason uh, as well, besides safety, uh, that uh, electronic logs uh, are coming. A business case can be uh, certainly made, as well as a uh, safety case. Uh, I just want to inform people there is a way you out there can uh, access, uh, uh, keep track of, of the status of the rule. I'm going to put a website uh, up on the screen. It'll take you to uh, DOT's significant uh, rulemaking report. If you look at where it says access to the report, you'll see February 2015 significant rulemaking. Uh, that's updated monthly. Uh, if you click on the February link, it'll open uh, a document up for you. If you scroll down to number 42 on their rulemaking, it's ELD and HOS supporting docs. You can see uh, it, it lists the uh, initial date that this process started all the way back in 1994 uh, when, when uh, conversation began on this. Uh, as part of MAP 21, it was supposed to be out, uh, mandated uh, October 1st, 2013. We have seen uh, that is uh, come and gone, but it does appear uh, we're getting uh, closer to it. Additionally, if you look at some of the, the limited detail that's provided, they do mention four uh, objectives of the rule. They're very open-ended, very basic. It, it, it does not get into the complexities, which we will touch on uh, momentarily, and, and is one of the reasons, I think, why uh, it has been delayed as, we, uh, as they've tried to sort out what uh, are many technical and complex issues. Sure. Right. So now let's go to Seth's interview with Steve Kepler of CVSA. Well, uh, hi, Steve, and uh, you know, we certainly appreciate you taking some time here to talk to us about electronic logging and the upcoming uh, ELD mandate. And uh, just to lead things off, can uh, you give us uh, your thoughts on the mandate itself and uh, what you expect this to mean for the industry? Well, CBSA has been supportive of a mandate for a number of years now. We've commented to the, the multiple rulemakings on this subject for a couple of years now. Uh, it's going to be a big change for the industry operationally and from a safety perspective and for enforcement perspective. It's going to be a sea change. Uh, and I think from our perspective, we want to make sure that once the agency does uh, put the final rule in place, the big key, that's really when the work begins from our perspective because we've got to make sure that we spend enough energy to build them properly to the standards, to ensure that everyone's educated about what they can do and what they can't do, and, from the, and everyone's trained so that when the, once the effective date comes into play, we can hit the ground running as smoothly as possible. All right. And uh, what do you think this will mean for uh, safety? Uh, how much of a change will it, will it be on that front? Well, we've already seen with the adoption rate already by folks in the last couple of years, uh, violation rates for hours of service go down pretty substantially just in the, in the last couple of years. I, I think some of that's driven by CSA, but a lot of it's driven by the adoption rate of ELDs. Uh, we've definitely seen those violation rates come down significantly already. All right. And uh, on the other side of the issue, you know, we have seen uh, some drivers and some other organizations in the industry uh, voice some concerns about uh, driver privacy and uh, um, uh, driver harassment issues. Uh, what's your response to that? And uh, do you think that the uh, FMCSA is going to address those, uh, those concerns moving forward? Well, that that's, continues to be a big issue. It will be anytime you've got any type of technology that's a concern for folks and rightly so. 
I think the uh, legislative requirements that were put out in MAP 21 um, helped really push that issue forward some more. The agency did a study on, on it, and they, that study concluded that, uh, from their perspective, harassment's a non-issue. That's not to say that it couldn't potentially be a problem. I think that's something we'll have to do. It's, it's, we're just evaluating compliance. Uh, that's our job roadside. Uh, and, you know, truth, will be, we'll see what happens in the long run and once the rule's implemented. Uh, but I think it's it, as many protections as, as possible, I'm hoping, will be put into the rule to, to limit that happening. Okay. And uh, you alluded earlier to uh, you know, the, the many fleets that are already using electronic logging devices, not because they need to, but because you know, they see the benefit uh, from a CSA perspective and, and a compliance perspective in general. Uh, what's your best estimate on the number of uh, trucks on the road today that currently have uh, something in the cab and, and are, are already using e-logs? It's a tough call because it changes daily. I think we are a year and a half certainly getting more calls in the office about it uh, what's going on out in the field but it is a significant penetration already which is a good sign uh, I think and some a lot of fleets are doing it because they they see the operational and safety benefits um, and also they want to get experience with them knowing that a rules coming of how they may need to adjust their operations to deal with it and uh, so we've seen a significant amount of uptake out in the field already good now, we know that several carriers have already adopted ELDs in their operations. Neil, any thoughts on why some carriers are going to electronic logs even though they're not required to do so yet and what, what their experiences have been? Yeah, I think uh, Stephen uh, mentioned a couple things. Uh, he talked about operational safety benefits on, on safety. You have HOS, he referenced CSA. Uh, he also touched on uh, operational benefits, um, some that in fleets I've talked to over the years. They talk about uh, there are clearly privacy concerns with e-logs uh, that remain out there. The flip side to that, I think some have mentioned to me is about uh, protection from lawsuits, that they can, when they're, they're safe driver, not at fault, there's a much clearer way to protect themselves. Uh, also, a return on investments is important on everything that uh, fleets uh, invest in. They can uh, better obtain some engine data and other key uh, performance data, whether it be about the vehicle itself about the driver in combination. That can also offer them some uh, benefits. Additionally, maybe uh, it can speed the inspection process, which many drivers would like uh, as well. You know, one, one interesting point he said uh, in, in those comments uh, is about the enforcement effort. This is a rule that is very important to the enforcement people to get out. There's a lot of training and understanding that they need to go through. They need to dig through the complexities just as much as fleets do. This is not like an engine emissions rule, where it's sort of uh, it's certified through EPA or NHTSA, whatever the case may be, and it becomes, in the end, the, the, the manufacturer and fleet problem. This is one very much that uh, the law enforcement community uh, is just as interested in to see and to begin training as fleets are. Sure. And uh, you know, as uh, TT's technology reporter, I, I do attend a lot of the user conferences that these technology suppliers have. and. Uh, a very common uh, theme that I hear from uh, many of the, uh, the f of the larger fleets, especially uh, many of their uh, safety directors, is that once they make the switch to e-logs, they, they see a, a very dramatic drop in their hours of service violations, uh, form and manner problems, 
Um, and uh, they also say that it can uh, uh, reduce the stress on the driver. Uh, things like uh, you know, making mistakes, you know, math mistakes uh, on their paper logs or uh, forgetting to, to update them. Uh, that's no longer a concern of the driver because it's done automatically. Uh, and, and that's what, I'm, what I generally hear uh, you know, from the, 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 the safety guys, at uh, especially the larger fleets. Uh, now, they do say that the driver outreach side of that is very important. Um, sometimes the younger drivers are, are quick to uh, adopt the technology and, and uh, are uh, uh, very willing to, uh, to, you know, to, to move to e-logs, but if you have a veteran driver who's been, been using paper for, for decades, uh, there really is a selling job that the, the fleets need to do. Okay, thank you. Um, I'd like to remind you once again that your comments and questions are welcome during today's live show. You can email us at share at ttnews.com or comment directly on the article page by typing a name in the display name window near the top and then clicking sign in. Now, our uh, first question from a viewer is, and this is probably something that a lot of people are wondering, when is the absolute last day for installing an ELD? And uh, sort of related to that, what is the most economical, useful, and simple to use system available for a five-truck operation? Seth, you want to sure. help Sure. Uh, going back to the, the timeline, you know, we're, the best we know right now is, is late 2017. Uh, that's based on uh, that November target date and then a two-year implementation stage. So that's what you're looking at, but you probably don't want to wait till the very end uh, to, to get on top of this. This is something that uh, the whole industry should be paying attention to right now uh, to keep on top of this, and uh, the final rule will be very instructive. Uh, going back to the other part of that question, um, I think we're going to see the market, uh, the ELD market, really evolve. Uh, I think the general uh, consensus among the providers and among uh, industry analysts is that uh, we're going to see the market uh, really uh, uh, trying to meet the needs of the, the carriers, the first-time adopters that, uh, that, that heretofore have not uh, uh, moved to electronic logging. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot of uh, uh, low-price, uh, basic products hit the market uh, leading up to this uh, uh, implementation date. And uh, you know, at the same time, uh, carriers will have to make a decision. Uh, do I go with a, a, you know, a bare-bones uh, product uh, to, you know, just to be compliant and keep my costs low? Uh, or do, uh, you know, when I make that decision, do I want to go a step higher and uh, uh, work on some other uh, elements and bring in some applications that can, can also help drive uh, efficiency? All right, and uh, now we've heard from Colin Smith. He's marketing manager at Safety Vision, and uh, he, uh, he comments that he's very interested in the timeline associated with this mandate and uh, asks as well, what classes of trucks does the mandate apply to? Sure. Uh, you know, our understanding is that the, the mandate, you know, it doesn't, you know, your GVW rate isn't what's critical. You know, it's, a, it's really, you know, if you right now, if your drivers uh, are required to follow hours of service regulations and keep records of duty status, the mandate applies to you. Uh, you know, that's really the, the, the rule of thumb to, to determine whether or not you're going to have to do this uh, once the rule is finalized. I'm I'd like to remind you once again that you can email us at share at ttnews.com or comment directly on the article page by typing a name in the display name window near the top and then clicking sign in. We've got a question now from Dieter McLaughlin, Vice President of Operations at Stagecoach Carriage and Distribution. 
how does off-duty driving affect the driver's hours of service? For instance, if a driver runs out of hours and is 15 minutes away from his home terminal, will he be in violation of hours of service? Well, that is a great question, and this whole uh, personal conveyance issue is going to be a critical element of uh, the final rule. And I think there are many in the industry that definitely want to see some clarity on this, uh, uh, on this question of personal conveyance. Uh, that is one of the questions I posed to uh, Steve Kepler of CVSA. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, roll that video. No, it's, it's a good question. You know, certainly that question has come up from a number of fleets already. In our comments to the rulemaking, we uh, actually made a, provided a recommendation to the agency of, of a definition of personal conveyance. We're certainly hopeful that they put some clarity in that once the final rule comes out. So the compliance is easier and enforcement is easier. People know the rules of the game. If not, it's going to be a problem. So I certainly hope and expect that they will address that issue in the final rule. All right. And uh, we've also received some questions about whether or not drivers might be able uh, potentially to manipulate e-logs. Uh, how confident are you that uh, the mandate will be, uh, uh, it will require devices that are tamper-proof and, and uh, do you expect this to be something to, that the industry will have to watch out for uh, moving forward? Certainly. That's something we've uh, commented on pretty substantially to the agency in our comments is the tamper resistance and we, and Apparently, there's a big issue of going from tamper-resistant to tamper-proof in terms of a technology and cost perspective. But we think that it needs to be as tamper-proof as possible. There needs to be strong certification standards in place. There needs to be uh, tests uh, that the vendors need to uh, administer to ensure that they're certifying with those, those standards. There also needs to be a calibration procedure every time that the, that the driver turns the vehicle on and the device on. There needs to be a calibration procedure. And there needs to be a simple way for enforcement to verify that the device is in compliance. And if there are issues or there's been tampering, that it's evident to enforcement. Uh, it, we certainly, uh, you know, it's something we're very concerned about. Um, you know, we, we today we've got falsification of logbooks that is a pretty significant issue that we see roadside. Uh, that's one of the benefits we hope to see with ELDs is that falsification rate to go down. But because there still is opportunity for the driver to manually input data into the device, that is a potential issue we're, we're concerned about. Okay. And uh, going back to the general timeline moving forward, uh, you know, FMCSA is now targeting uh, November uh, to publish the final rule. And uh, we have seen a number of delays. I believe the uh, language in, in MAP 21 originally called for uh, October of uh, 2013, I believe. Um, how confident are you that uh, the rule will uh, proceed and we will uh, hit that uh, November uh, time frame or something uh, close to that? Assuming there's no legal action taken, um, I, we're, I feel pretty confident. I've, I've had a number of conversations with the agency um, this is one of their top five priorities for the year. It's a big rule. It's a complicated rule, uh, but I know that they're putting a lot of resources behind it to make to get it to the finish line. Uh, so I, I feel pretty good that they'll have something done by the end of the calendar year, maybe not November. Good. Uh, we'd like to thank Steve Kepler, Executive Director of CVSA, for joining us today. And you can watch more assess interview with Steve on, in a live on web extra at ttnews.com later today. One thing, Bruce, I thought that was uh, interesting based on uh, past history with uh, 
difficult rules like uh, hours of service and, in this case, uh, e-logs. Steve mentioned by the end of the year, uh, a number of times um, there have been uh, HOS rules come out right around Christmas. It's not all that unusual at, at transport topics to be uh, right around the holidays talking about the first issue of the next year to have a uh, pretty significant rulemaking, a final rule, uh, to be writing about and to dissect. And, and based on what he said, uh, it would not uh, surprise me if, uh, if the same thing uh, plays out this year. The uh, other thing that uh, he mentioned uh, I, I thought was interesting, talking about tamper-proof versus tamper-resistant. Uh, I think when many fleets hear that, that that's maybe a, a warning sign. They might, uh, if they have some maybe distrust, if they're, they're questioning e-logs and, and aren't crazy about the number of regulations coming out them when they, coming at them, when they hear something like that, maybe wondering, well, what's the price difference on that? What exactly does that mean? I, I, it makes me wonder if I can uh, afford them. Uh, I think uh, it goes back to the return on investment and everything that uh, fleets, uh, fleets do and uh, uh, purchase. Uh, I also think it, it, it underscores the complexity of the issue, uh, of the rule, how technical it can be. Uh, I think it also shows the importance that uh, uh, e-log makers and, and fleets uh, see the rule and, and have an opportunity to open a dialogue uh, so they can uh, sort out the best way to go about it for fleets to figure out which of the different devices that Seth mentioned might be right for them. And just to interject real quickly, uh, I definitely think that the manufacturers right now are in sort of a holding pattern. You know, they're really waiting to see the final rule, uh, and then they'll really know where to go and, and all the final details on uh, what exactly they need to do. And we just saw this with the hour of the service, uh, uh, the restart suspension. Uh, the e-log makers, the, the tech uh, suppliers, are very happy when their customers are happy, and, and uh, most of them were happy with the HOS uh, suspension. It also required them to go back to their systems to spend time, resources, and effort to update the systems in order to, uh, to make them uh, updated with the rule, as opposed to saying, let's get all of this out, sort out HOS, sort out what the e-log mandate is, and let's start this dialogue and, and make sure that the right products are going to the right fleets and giving them what they want and need to uh, conduct their operations. Well, so now uh, there is a question of, of how fleets are going to implement this. We have a question from Tiffany who asks, is there a period that we can run ELD and paper together, both, as a trial and allow the DOT to know this during a roadside inspection, or will that just be a violation? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, we'll see what the final rule says, and you know, when we see it, uh, uh, may, you know, maybe in November, maybe a little bit later, uh, you know, we will have to, uh, uh, I don't think we'll, we'll really know the answer to that question. Uh, but uh, you know, well, that two-year stage, I, I think that uh, once that two-year stage hits, uh, you have to be using uh, electronic logging. So really, that's what that, that two-year stage is for. You know, I mean, that would be a good time to uh, you know, test things out, to get on top of this. Uh, it, it would probably be a bad idea to wait until the last day to try to figure out what kind of te uh, technology you're going to uh, get uh, in your uh, vehicles to, to be compliant. In, in fairness to, to law enforcement, also, you figure after that, that is a pretty big window, but uh, a lot goes on. There probably will be some sort of soft enforcement uh, period, some uh, education. Uh, we've seen that before with many of the rules. I don't think law enforcement is out there uh, the day that it does finally go into effect after all these years. I don't think their goal is going to be to uh, violate what is otherwise a, a, a safe driver just because of a little bit of confusion. Uh, I think that's a, a very good question and, again, goes to the, the, the large number of issues and 
such a complex rulemaking that still needs to be uh, sorted out in the coming months. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people uh, feel like this is you know kind of complicated, and we've had several questions about how an ELD works, how drivers and fleets commit, implement, and use these devices. Neil, you researched that subject. Some of you uh, want to show us what you found? Yeah, sure, Bruce. Because some people simply just wanted to know. Uh, understand e-logs a little better. I, I did some video uh, uh, researching. Uh, I came across a fleet training video. Uh, I just want to share a small piece of it. Uh, to start with, it shows a company driver outlining the steps that he takes to start his day using an e-log. So let's go ahead and roll that footage. At this point in time, I'm going to begin my on-duty day by pressing on-duty. It asks the location status. Location information at this point in time, I'm at the Burger King lot here in Kansas City. All you have to type in is the Burger King lot or wherever you're sitting at. Press next. It asks to enter remarks. And uh, I'm starting my duty or the day. So I'm going to type in pre trip. So with a flag, the pre trip at this point in time. Then I just have a confirmation screen going to off duty to duty. Press done. Alright at the top of your screen if you'll go to the right row of uh, buttons press the second one you'll see e-driver log. Press that and that you'll have your duty status, hours, regulation, review hours and inspection. Press the inspection button, press pre-trip, and it'll come up with a clear box. Push your on screw on screen keyboard, type in everything is good. And press done. And your pre-trip is now flagged. Go back to your duty status and select driving. Type in BK Lot. sitting at that point in time, clear your screen, choose next, enter remarks is optional, today, have a good day. Next, it asks you to the confirm confirmation screen, going from on duty to driving. The driver heads off to his first delivery. While he's going, he discusses what he can do in safe mode, such as updated real-time fuel and engine information and other uh, important shipment and load information. He also receives an audio message uh, while he's on the road. Now, let's take a look at what happens when he reaches his first destination. One time we have arrived at the Legends, you press duty status, switch over to own duty, On screen keypad, type in legends. Press next. Add a remark if you want to is optional. Next again. So that took about 30 seconds uh, to change his status. The video ends with the driver completing his workday and shifting over to the sleeper berth. 
Before he does that, he reviews his log, which appears on the screen in the very familiar paper format. The full video can be found on YouTube. It is from Riverside Transport, and it has been viewed more than 15,000 times. Fine. Uh, now we've got a question from Steve at Stars Consulting. What do you expect the requirements to be for smaller vehicles that are not always considered commercial vehicles? Uh, for instance, a pickup truck that when combined with a trailer exceeds 10,000 pounds. Yeah, uh, good question, but again, I'll go back to uh, uh, sort of the rule of thumb here. Uh, I, I think it has much less to do with the, the type of vehicle than it is the, the driver. Uh, if you are uh, required to follow hours of service in your operations, then uh, you know, you, and, you're, you, and you have paper logs today, uh, the ELD mandate uh, will apply to you based on what we understand today. And I'd like to remind you that you can email us at share at ttnews.com or comment directly on the article page by typing a name in the display name window near the top and then clicking sign in. Uh, I've got a question now um, relating to um, what types of devices, that we've actually had several questions about this, what types of devices can be, can be used? We know that the ELD must be connected to the engine bus. Others are asking whether they can use an iPhone or a smartphone app. What, what do you have to say about that? Sure. Um, it, it really does have to have the link to the vehicle. It has to communicate with the vehicle engine. Uh, in that case, it doesn't really matter what you're using as a display. It can be a, a handheld uh, device. Uh, it could be a, you know, an iPhone in some cases. It could be an Android uh, device, a, a tablet. Uh, you know, and it can be a fixed mount display, as we see uh, some of the, the higher end systems that uh, fleets are using right now uh, to drive efficiency. So it's, it doesn't really matter uh, what type of display you're using. Uh, we, we have seen an increasing uh, movement toward uh, mobile devices uh, as, as an option that, that these uh, tech vendors are offering fleets. Uh, we're also seeing uh, the, the truck manufacturers uh, starting to, to show interest in, in this type of uh, uh, product and, and providing hardware that can be used uh, in conjunction with software uh, from, from other vendors. So um, uh, yeah, mobile devices uh, can be used, but it can't just be an app. It can't just be a, a simple app that has a, an electronic logbook. Um, you know, it has to, it has to uh, connect to the vehicle, has to communicate with the vehicle, uh, and be able to, uh, to use vehicle uh, location uh, in order to be a, a, a compliant e-log. I think at the, the same time, uh, you have to anticipate, once we get the mandate out, go through this uh, phase-in period, uh, the fleets and drivers get a little bit more comfortable, the e-log uh, makers, uh, they uh, have the discussion and, and sort of get a better sense what each side is looking for and the different options, and it's in, and we get it through and go through, uh, you know, this phase, and you have to anticipate there'll be a period of uh, great innovation after that. Technology is changing so rapidly in every area in particular what we've seen the last couple of years in trucking, that you have to assume that if we were having this conversation probably one year after the mandate fully takes effect, many of the options uh, that would be available and probably the, the speed of the data that uh, can be processed uh, probably would be hard even to imagine uh, right now today. You know, uh, you mentioned this earlier, uh, a lot of fleets have already adopted ELDs. They tend to be the larger probably better, better capitalized fleets. Owner-operators have traditionally resisted 
resisted the ELDs. What, uh, what are the top three most persuasive reasons that an owner-operator owner should uh, have for wanting to use a, an ELD? Yeah, well, one I'll, I'll bring, off, uh, bring up right off the top is, uh, you know, the, it's one less thing for the uh, driver to worry about. Uh, if you don't have to worry about filling out your logs and you can let the system do that for you, uh, that's one less thing to worry about. One le and you can just focus on driving. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, making a, you know, a math error and uh, getting a violation because of that later on. Uh, so so that's, that's one thing that I hear brought up a lot uh, when, I, when, I talk to, uh, when I talk to fleets. So I'd like to add, if not specifically just owner-operated, but, but some uh, advantages possibly uh, for drivers that uh, I've heard from fleets. Uh, one, in some cases, they can offer some uh, incentive pay uh, in terms of uh, if the e-log is larger than just, is larger than just uh, tracking hours, if they are, are adding things, potentially uh, fuel economy, uh, hard braking, uh, just performance measures. Uh, there can be a little bit easier to provide some uh, some of that incentive pay and change some of the uh, general pay structure, which uh, to maybe address some of the driver uh, shortage issue. So much of the the uh, truck uh, is just so technologically advanced, and it's continuing uh, to come. It feels like to remain in paper logs. It just doesn't really seem to fit uh, the mold of where the trucks are going. I know we hear from. Uh, some older drivers, uh, just a, a reluctance to this, very understandable. Some of the privacy and harassment issues they are concerned with. Uh, at the same time, uh, a younger driver last week, Dave Oshecki at uh, uh, TMC's conference, again referenced uh, to address a driver shortage. Uh, these 18 to uh, uh, trying to relax some rules to get some younger drivers in. In terms of social media, they're used to being tracked. They track themselves, tag themselves. So I don't think the younger generation is going to be uh, all that concerned. Uh, with feeling that that they're being uh, tracked. One last thing I want to mention that uh, I've heard suggested this could offer too is is uh, uh, more accurate invoicing and, and along with that faster pay uh, through using uh, the computer to know what's going on uh, and, and I don't think uh, any driver out there uh, would be too upset with the idea of receiving pay for their work sooner. Yeah, and one, one uh, quick uh, piggyback on that. Uh, I think that driver education on this is very important uh, if a fleet is looking to, to move to e-logs and uh, you know, if it, once you reach a point where uh, you have to, um, you, you really have to communicate with your drivers. And one way that uh, some of the larger fleets have done that when they moved uh, to these systems a few years back uh, is through uh, driver testimonials. Uh, maybe it could, it could be a company driver, it could be an owner operator uh, who's already using it. And um, you know, just, just having them on video explaining what the system is like and uh, you know how how they use it and how it affects their day-to-day uh, -day job uh, can go a long way to you know, to making uh, your drivers uh, more comfortable with this and, and showing that uh, uh, you know j just what they can expect going into it. You know we've had, we can we're still getting questions about whether it's you can use a plug-and-play or whether the ELD has to be hardwired into into the engine mm -hmm. control module, which which it uh, does now. One, one question that we have is what works for trucks built before 1996 that yeah. don't have that connection? Yeah, well, that, that is a very good question, and uh, I think that the final rule will have to be instructive on that. Uh, you know, that, that's one of the many details, one of the many uh, uh, you know, factors that comes up with a rule like this that 
um, you know, that will need to be ironed out. Uh, of course, by the time we, we get to the rule, I mean, we're really looking at the end of 2017. So, um, you know, th those trucks would be over uh, 20 years old. So the population of those trucks would be uh, uh, diminished by then, uh, or at least much smaller than, than what we have uh, today. Uh, but that's, that's one of those answer unanswered questions, I think. We've seen many of uh, many ports have, have taken some steps to uh, uh, ban some of the, the oldest trucks. Uh, we have new greenhouse gas regulations coming on the front end for, for new trucks. So certainly these will still be out there. That might be one of the uh, uh, strange uh, um, exceptions. Even when we think everything is sorted out, there are likely going to be uh, some, uh, some tricky cases. Some of these, uh, this is an example that might be one, but when you look at what some of the ports are doing as well as some of the uh, greenhouse gas related regulations, I think there are some efforts coming from both ends to phase some of these uh, vehicles out and, and to provide uh, opportunity, hopefully with some, some funding help uh, at the ports to uh, uh, get drivers into uh, more updated trucks. Yeah, and there you're talking about the dredge drivers who are hauling containers at uh, seaports and mm -hmm. rail ports, the intermodal containers that yep. usually don't drive very far, and, and many of these these uh, drivers are operating smaller, I mean, older trucks. Absolutely. Right. Um, now, uh, would you uh, either of you like to take this one? We have uh, questions about what what impact have the electronic logging devices had on had on driver safety and collision reduction? Yeah, I'll go ahead and answer that. Uh, the, one thing to keep in mind is the the rule that we're discussing, the ELD mandate, uh, only pertains to electronic logging. Uh, the devices that you see on the market today, the systems that you see on the market today are offering much more than that. I mean, uh, electronic logging is just sort of one of the basic uh, uh, bare-bones offerings that uh, you know, a, a modern system can, can provide. Uh, you know, people are using them for uh, uh, you know, not just uh, you know, vehicle tracking, but uh, uh, driver performance monitoring, hard braking. Uh, there, there's many other uh, you know, IFTA fuel tax reporting, uh, driver vehicle inspection reports. So the, the products that are on the market today can, can provide all kinds of different uh, um, uh, applications and features. And uh, some of those touch on safety. You know, some of those, like I, I discussed, uh, driver behavior monitoring. If, you, uh, you know, if, a, if a driver manager sees that a particular driver is uh, prone to, to lots of hard braking, uh, you know, they can go back and coach that driver and work with them to improve their, their driving uh, uh, behavior and hopefully, as a result of that, uh, reduce uh, uh, safety risk. I think uh, we, we've uh, interacted with Stephen Kepler for a very long time on any number of issues. Uh, I think he's been pretty fair uh, on the whole in terms of his positions in, in safety. He feels very confident this will uh, improve safety. And I, again, I think e-log is part of a larger technology picture that is developing both on the in-cab communications type sign aside, excuse me, with the driver, and also as sort of a, 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 a conduit in terms of all the other techn technological advances taking place from active brake assist, uh, remote diagnostics, which we may touch on. It, it sort of helps bring the whole package together between the driver's seat uh, and everything else going on with the truck. Now we have a question from John DeBorsch. I would like to remind you that you can email us at the uh, share at ttnews.com or comment directly in the, on the article page by typing your name in the display name window near the top and then clicking sign in. So John's question is, I would like to learn if there will be any certification requirements for onboard solutions 
and that the entities that will, build, that will be responsible for certifying them make sure that the solution complies with the requirements and the mandates. In other words, he's asking if I buy something, is it going to work? Yeah, uh, it's my understanding that there, there absolutely will be a certification process. I mean, we will have to look at and see what's in the, the final rule and how many changes are made. Uh, but that has been part of the discussion. Uh, because as we mentioned earlier, uh, I think we are going to see uh, many, many new entrants and many new products uh, flood the market uh, to comply with this. I mean, it's, it's, it just makes sense that businesses will, will uh, want to, to serve the needs of this, uh, this really a, a new market of, of first-time adopters of, of ELDs. Uh, so there will, I, I fully expect there to be a, a, a certification process. We don't know much about that yet. Uh, we'll have to wait and see the, the final rule. Uh, uh, exactly what shape that, that will take, but uh, I would fully expect it to, to be there. I think that underscores, I'm sorry, Bruce, I think that underscores this, this need for a dialogue between uh, the fleets and the e-log makers. So they, fleets themselves, can understand what am I purchasing. It, it, looks, it looks great, but, but I need to understand. Also, maybe there'll be a grandfathering in in the final yes. rule, uh, possibly to make sure. That, that's certainly one of the questions fleets have had over the last few years, okay, I want to do this. I want to do the right thing. I would, I believe in the, the safety aspects, the operational aspects, but I'm going to spend X amount per truck on doing this. What guarantee do I have when the rule comes out? Oops, uh, and and I'm back to the drawing board, and all that investment to do the right thing sort of went by the wayside. I, I think that touches on on a few of the issues that that needs to just be affirmed up to make sure, yeah. make it successful for everyone involved. Yeah, there's, there's still some, uh, some work has to be done. And to that point, we have another question from Colin Smith, who asked, does the ELD mandate measure or verify the amount of sleep time that drivers have? Uh, not to my knowledge. I mean, I, I think it's, it's really just uh, measuring uh, hours of service. Um, you know, when you're, when you're on duty, uh, you know, automatically recording that. And, and it's a way for... Um, uh, you know, the, for enforcement officers to have a better uh, understanding that uh, the, the, the fleets they're working with are indeed in compliance with, with those regulations. Uh, we have another question from Tiffany. If we currently have a tracking device hooked to the ECM, that's the engine control module, without the electronic logging device, will the time frame change from two years to four years for the implementation? Uh, that, that goes back to the, the grandfathering uh, aspect of this. There is an extra two years for uh, people who have already adopted uh, electronic logging in one, in one form or another. Um, so even if your uh, existing product does not meet the, uh, whatever the technical specifications are for the new ELD rule, uh, you'll still have an extra two years. So yeah, uh, and if you do that now, if you adopt today some form of electronic logging, uh, you will have an extra two years to uh, to be in compliance with the new uh, set of regulations. So that would be putting you, uh, at, I guess, late 2019 at that point. Um, Steve Clark, uh, CTO, S Chief Technology Officer at Procuro, asks, what, to what extent are existing solutions com customizable? Well, I, I guess I guess that goes back to um, you know, the products that are on the market today. Uh, you know, um, electronic logging again is just a, is one uh, feature offered by these systems, uh, and some of the, the new ones that hit the market will probably only do that you know, in, in, in an attempt to, to offer the lowest price possible for people that want to be in compliance uh, you know, as uh, cost effectively as possible. Uh, but going back to your, your question, um, you know, it's, it's, um, 
you know, we'll, we'll have to see what the, you know, the, the market, uh, how the market develops and, uh, and uh, you know, take it from there. We'll know more when we see the final rule. I, I think that, that question was, was interesting. We received several questions and comments to that side. We also, sort of from the other side, one side asking, well, how customizable is it? We also heard from some uh, tech providers saying, what are the main things that fleets want? And, and it sort of uh, puts us in a unique position here to, to try to share some of our knowledge and also uh, you know, provide some of this dialogue in terms of, uh, of helping both sides figure out what they want and, and what they need. So it's sort of a interesting, uh, it's interesting to see similar questions coming from both sides. And, and I think once that mandate uh, gets out, uh, it will open up that uh, opportunity to, for that to sort out. Okay, now we've had, here's a question that we've had uh, come in s from several people. I don't want to bust anybody sure. by mentioning their names. Uh, the question is basically, uh, what are the reper repercussions for noncompliance? You know, well, uh, I guess today if you, um, you know, if there's a, a one-time violation, I mean, it's a, it's a violation, but, uh, you know, carriers that are shown to have uh, uh, completely ignored hours of service regulations, for example, uh, regardless of this, whether it's paper or um, using an e-log, um, you know, they get shut down. Um, so, I mean, if we have a, if, if people who simply refuse to, uh, to follow the rule uh, once it's finalized, uh, that would be my best guess as well. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to have to comply uh, uh, or you'll be caught. Uh, we have a question from Amy Kraus asking, how are you selling the, uh, this would be more to, we're not selling it, but to the, the government. Um, how are you selling the ELD mandate positive to, positively to your drivers? This would be a question for fleets. Excuse me. Um, and why are the owner-operators so, uh, been so, so strongly against it as they have been mm -hmm. to now? Yeah, well, some of the concerns that have been voiced, uh, you know, have, have been, you know, the privacy issues and, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the 2011 rule, uh, you know, court threw, uh, threw out because of uh, uh, concerns about driver harassment. So those are, are the, the common uh, concerns that come up uh, from, from the driver side, uh, you know, and, and to, it's really incumbent on the, the fleets to, to really reach out to the drivers and, and um you know, and, and make sure that they're using these these correctly, and also showing drivers, you know, what what the devices do. Um, you know, if they can, uh, you know, champion the the benefits of not having to manually keep track of, um, you know, all your hours and and, and maintain your logbooks, uh, that is that is something that that carriers can can sell to the to their drivers and uh, and and say how this can can help their help them out and, and make their day a little bit easier. Um, we've got a question now from Jesse, whose uh, comments that uh, considering the, that most hourly violations are made to meet expected deadlines for delivery, how big of an effect will this mass violation reduction have on expected delivery times and in terms of profits of carriers and the cost for customers, especially in, uh, in the long haul uh, uh, food truckload uh, loads with produce? Well, that's uh, pretty well thought out looking ahead to a question. I guess from a pessimistic standpoint as we look down the road, uh, what's going to happen with highway funding and traffic congestion and, and a lot of those, uh, a lot of those issues, there are some, some hearings this week uh, regarding uh, the new highway bill. 
uh, up on Capitol Hill this week. Be great to think that uh, faster inspections, more efficient inspections, less violations uh, uh, would lead to. It does make sense. I'd make uh, um, they'll provide more time, more deliveries, faster deliveries. Hopefully, make everything up and down the supply chain more efficient. The result of that, you think, would be drivers uh, with more freight demand also making more money. So. Uh, let's hope that does play out, and at the same time, some of the other industry, uh, some of the other obstacles facing the industry in the uh, coming years also get to sort out. So uh, uh, this can benefit everybody. Yeah, and this is, that is a very good question. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it isn't basically what the ELD rule does is it makes it uh, you know, uh, difficult to you know, to, to you know, fudge your hours of service. I mean, it just means that uh, you know everybody will will have to, to comply with those rules and. And sure, I mean that could that could create a ripple effect, and and we'll we'll be watching that. Now, uh, Bo Wright has uh, sent in a question. He's saying he's heard rumors that ELDs could be manipulated, uh, and you know we hear all the time about uh, hacking in one form or another. Early adopters have been much more compliant than uh, the set of forced users, those who are doing it because it's mandated. Necessity being the mother of invention, and truck drivers are very inventive. So, uh, what's your what's your View on that? Well, uh, the the language that FMCSA uses on uh, their definition of an, of what an ELD is uh, does include a, a clause that uh, it has to be tamper resistant, and uh, you know exactly you know, what that means. We will see. Uh, I mean, there's always a way. I mean, there's always there's always a way that that somebody can figure out to to, to game the system. But uh, I think that what this does is it certainly makes it a lot harder. Uh, but that, that's something that we'll also be watching uh, as this moves along. Another very exciting uh, air issue that's, that we've been reporting on in the last couple of years and uh, is that of autonomous or self-driving vehicles. Um, as we know that uh, uh, Daimler recently demonstrated one for a demonstrated self-driving truck um, for reporters at a major truck show in Europe. Uh, and it, we're wondering how would uh, autonomous driving vehicles affect e-logs and hours of service? I think that's a, a good question. Uh, I think uh, at its core, that does uh, that does show how far some of the technology uh, is moving forward uh, uh, in the trucks that are, that are being made. Now, this is a little little future. Daimler called it 2025. Uh, there are platooning vehicles that maybe uh, will be a bit more in the near term. It raises a whole other set of issues in terms of if, if a driver is able legally to be doing other things, uh, using a tablet for work in the seat, uh, as in the, the Daimler example, uh, it raises questions, what should the hour of the service be? It's not as hard, uh, driving is no longer as hard. That would be one of the goals in terms of platooning. If there are other uh, employees involved in a platooning situation, but also may not be actively driving, what does, what does it mean? So that's a little bit in the future. I think it, it's a great point in showing how far so quickly this technology uh, on the whole is coming much greater uh, at a much higher level than just e-logs. Uh, and maybe we'll look back at this e-log mandate and getting through this process sort of as a catalyst to really get into, uh, in the United States, uh, in North America, I guess I should say, some of uh, the technology that really truly is being developed and, and, and starting to roll out uh, worldwide today. Good. Um, I, we've been talking today with Seth Clevenger, Transport Topics Information Technology Writer, and with Neil, Neil Apt. 
editorial director of TT. I'm Bruce Harmon. I'm editor of TT's monthly, bi-monthly iTech supplement, which is included in transport topics. That covers the waterfront of information technology and transportation, from trucking management systems to mapping, geofencing, tractor-trailer monitoring, fuel economy, tire maintenance, mobile and in-cab communications, driver training, and a host of other applications that have been developed over the years. Information technology has helped squeeze inefficiency out of trucking operations, and the programs, applications, and carrier use of IT have become increasingly sophisticated as have the vendors who are finding more and more ways to use the tidal wave of data that trucking operations generate. It's an exciting technology space and an exciting market that has seen a great many uh, entrepreneurs exploring varying various aspects of transportation. Some of these companies have grown tremendously while others have dropped by the wayside or been absorbed into larger and more varied enterprises. Seth, you're working on an article about tech consolidation for the next issue of iTech. Would you like to give us a preview of what readers find, will find when they open iTech next month? Uh, sure, Bruce. Uh, you know, this is, you know, the, we've really seen a tremendous amount of consolidation in the trucking technology space over the last uh, five years or so in particular, and uh, going back, uh, you know, beyond that as well. Uh, and maybe it would be uh, helpful just to you know, take off some of the, the biggest examples. You know, we, we've seen Trimble come into the North American uh, truck technology space uh, uh, with their acquisitions of uh, PeopleNet, TMW Systems, and ALK Technologies, you know, three of the big names uh, in, in trucking. Uh, we've also seen Omnitrax uh, since their uh, spinoff from Qualcomm, you know, which was uh, just a, you know, what, a, a year and, and three months ago. Uh, in just that short time frame, they've already scooped up RoadNet Technologies and uh, XRS. Uh, and those are just the, the two biggest examples. There's been many others, and uh, we, we've seen a, you know, just a lot of acquisition activity uh, in the growing uh, technology market that serves the trucking industry. And um, you know, the story that I've, I've just written for iTech, uh, the next issue of iTech, uh, really looks at the market forces that are, that are driving all this activity. Uh, you know, when you when you look at acquisitions in general and, and, and why companies look to, to acquire others, uh, many times it's a you know it's a market share play. You know, they they buy their competitor and they get their customer base. Uh, but I think what we're seeing here in uh, technology is a little bit different. You know, we're, we're seeing companies acquire others that aren't providing the exact same technology. It's something adjacent, something similar but it's something different that they can also provide to their, their customers. So they're, they're adding capabilities. Um, you know, Triple's a great example of that when we're seeing it on Omnitracks, we're seeing it in many others across the industry. Um, you know, more and more uh, fleets uh, are looking for not just one piece of technology, they're looking for several different pieces and they want to bring it all together. And um, you know, more and more you're going to see these companies that are under one corporate umbrella integrating and uh, developing jointly and this is really going to drive the the future of development in the truck technology space in the years ahead of course uh, we, we were just earlier talking about electronic logging devices and do you suppose that the, once the mandate becomes effective we're going to see as, along with consolidation are we going to see some new players in that 